So it's uh, 1998. Okay. And so I got here in 1997. Okay. October 1997. I went to my first AQHA World Show. John Slack won the fraternity on yep. OK uh, Coyote, I think his name was, something like that. And uh, Avila won the World Championship Cow Horse on Lena's Ride On, I think. Yep. I can't yep. remember exactly, yep. but that was the so era. So that's the up. era. Yeah. Okay, so that's where we're at. And um, so there's this new brand on the scene called Cinch. Started in 1996. Mm -hmm. And uh, so about late 97, uh, I get a call. And I, I knew Michael Dvorak, who was mm -hmm. very influential in developing that line and everything. Mm -hmm. He was a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. But I got a call from their sales manager, and uh, they wanted me to take the line in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. And my God, you know, that was another kind of what you say, you know, I don't know how you described it, the words you use, but a huge turning point in my life because mm -hmm. I had this big decision to make mm -hmm. because Roper saved my ass. So, and that's what I want to ask you. What did Cinch have going on back then? Because back in those days, Wrangler would have been dominating. They were. Wrangler with the big dog on the street. Yep. Uh, Roper was the big dog on the street. Yep. So what made Cinch have the balls to compete, to step in as an underdog, yep. complete underdog, yep. newbie, Yep. What style did they have, Bobby? What asset? What did they have that gave them the balls to think we're going to take on Wrangler, which clearly they've done, yep. and and Roper? Yep. What what did they have back then? Great question. Uh, there were a couple reps uh, that Brenda Van Newkirk, uh, Sean Patrick, Rod Patrick's son mm -hmm. worked for us, and they they spent a lot of time around the calf roping, mm -hmm. and a lot of the trends and fashion changes and shifts started at that level with the calf ropers. They were kind of edgy. They were kind okay. of the, they were kind of the rebels. Okay, fair they're, enough. They're the group that would go against the trend. Fair enough. So they're at these ropings and they're noticing that these young these young boys are wearing Lucky, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein. They're not wearing Wrangler 13 MWZ. Yes, the old styles. Yeah. So they, they're like, hey, something's going on here. These young guys want they want their own brand. They mm -hmm. want something different. So we took the best lucky gene, studied it, mm -hmm. sort, of, well. sort of developed. A, yeah, a, took the parts that were positive, left the parts that weren't. Yeah. yeah, and developed the green label cinch gene. I wore them for years. I did too. And I mean, we started giving them away, mm. giving them away. Mm. Tuff Hedeman was the, uh, he was with Panhandle for shirts. That's right, he was too. Okay. Ron Pack helped him. Yes. Yeah, Ron. And then we, uh, so we, we signed Tuff as a gene. Mm -hmm. endorser and tough would take these things to the bull ridings and the rodeos and he'd give them away behind the chutes and i mean more than once they would threaten him they would threaten him with throwing him out of the prca or, yeah. you know and it, tough didn't care no he didn't give a fuck that's what i like about it that's that's, that's the yeah. great thing about I love him. him yeah to this day yeah he didn't care yeah he'd go get another box and yeah give him yeah. away he'd be back next weekend giving him <laughs> I know, I love it. You know? You and, gotta be kind of a little bit fucked up to keep getting on balls too. Let's well, just yeah, be honest, well, yeah. you know what I mean? You're, hey. you're putting your life at risk every time you get on it. it. There's gotta be a couple of screws that aren't quite connected yep. to the other part. Exactly. <laughs> so, so the, and, and I, there, was, there was a lot of luck involved in this, but timing luck. And then we identified those guys in rodeo as the endorsers. And we were one of the first companies to use endorsers the way we did, mm -hmm. you know? Because back in those days, they pro Wrangler probably would have only had George Strait, correct? That's yeah. probably all they had. Yeah, and he wasn't, you know, George Strait was George Strait, yeah. and by God, who wouldn't yeah. want to have George Strait? Yeah. But he wasn't 
the rodeo cowboy. He wasn't in the trenches. Yes. No, and he wasn't the guy that these young kids wanted to grow Emulate. up to be. Yes, that's correct. You know, they wanted to grow up to be Fred Whitfield. Oh, yeah. And Tuff Hedeman, okay? Fred was one of your original endorsers, yes. wasn't he? Yes. yes. So we got all of these super talented, successful mm. cowboys, and they all had a little bit of an edge to them. Yeah. You know, they all they all kind of wanted to break away mm -hmm. from traditional rodeo. And they, I think they wanted to tr get away from what their grandpa was wearing. Exactly. When I think of the old Wrangler, what is it, 13 MWZ, MWZ. Yeah, yeah. I think of what your grandpa used to wear. Right. You know, came up to your belly button. Exactly. You know, deep, straight exactly. legs. You know exactly. what I'm trying to say? Exactly. You know, iconic jeans yeah. and tough some bitches. Yeah. But but it's what your grandpa was wearing. Well, and and. If, if, if Wrangler would have ignored us and just competed against us on the level of clothing, things would have been totally different. Mm. But they, they created a David and Goliath situation. Yeah. They did not like us, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Whether or not they really identified the threat that we would have come on to be, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm. But in the year 2000, the high school rodeo finals were in Springfield, Illinois. That's correct. Had a great dealer, great friend out of Urbana, Illinois, Drew Butso, Pards Western Shop. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, Wrangler was a sponsor. Mm. So anybody that come there and set up their store, they, they wanted you to sell Wrangler. Oh, yeah. So Pards made the decision, they're going to take Cinch. And Wrangler come to him and says, if you take Cinch, you can't have Wrangler. Mm -hmm. And Drew said, fine, I'm taking Cinch. Yeah. We ran a buy, buy one, get two, or buy two, get one free jean deal. I remember those deals. And we sucked the oxygen out of the room. Yes. We were shipping jeans in every day. So this was in 2000, okay? Girls were even buying them. Mm, mm. We left there and we didn't have a jean left. Yeah. We had people buying jeans going, they're not my size, but I'll take them home and exchange them. So let me ask you a little key thing there. I think humans as a general rule, at, at least I'm like this for sure. When you back me into a corner, I have to fight. Mm -hmm. People think I like to fight just because of what I say and shit, but really the truth is I don't like to fight. Yeah. But whenever you back me into a corner, I will come at you. Do you think of Wrangler, and I think a lot of human beings are the same way, all animals are, do you think if Wrangler would not have given Pards that choice and, and backed him into a corner, which says, if you take Cinch, you can't get me. If they wouldn't have given that ultimatum, what do you think would have happened? I think it would have been different. I the, think the, so too. The, 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 the dramatic impact would not have been felt. Yeah. Basically, Pards said, go fuck yourself. And, and there's nothing, don't underestimate the guy that's pissed off. Yeah. Because he'll come at you. So here's yes. the impact we had. 2001 back then, I think it's maybe this way today, you know, the high school finals would be in that location two years in a row. Mm -hmm. So this was 2000. Come 2001, Pards was not invited back. Yeah. And if he wanted to sell clothes on the grounds, you could not sell cinch. Mm. So I personally knew the attorney for the Illinois Department of Agriculture. Right. So we couldn't be in the expo hall. So I call John Narmont and I said, hey, do they rent the entire fairgrounds? Or is there a building that they don't rent that, they don't rent that, that we can rent mm -hmm. and put a store up? Let me find out. Well, they, they rented the entire fairgrounds. Okay, no problem. I said, well, you own, a, you own a restaurant. You own a food stand right there by the Coliseum on the corner, don't you? Mm -hmm. John said, yeah. I said, well, are you independent of the fairgrounds? Can you do anything you want there? John <laughs> says, I can do anything I <laughs> So I said, well, here's what I want to do. I want to take a day, 
and I want to buy the kids lunch. Yeah. All the contestants, I want to buy them lunch. No. So we budgeted $10,000 yeah. to buy all the contestants lunch. But I said, I want to come in in the middle of the night and I want to cover your restaurant with cinch banners. Yeah. So <laughs> we're in there at 2.30 in the morning, staple guns. <laughs> the, sun, the sun comes up on the Illinois State Fairgrounds on Wednesday morning. Yeah. And there's Cinch. Yeah, Wrangler don't have time to react. It's already happened. It's happened. Yeah. It's over. I love it. So, so we spent half of our budget on lunch that day. So I called the office and I said, okay, here's where we're at. I want to do it again tomorrow. So about, about 11 o'clock in the morning, I head back up to the lunch stand to get going for that day. And there are literally three Illinois State troopers there handing me a cease and desist and the handcuffs are out. <laughs> this is funny. I called John Normont, the attorney, and I said, hey, you ain't gonna believe what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the assistant uh, general attorney's there. I mean- It got big. So, well, the, 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 uh, the attorney general was in Florida negotiating farm policy. <laughs> they got him out of bed to get all this done, mm. to stop me from buying lunch at the high school rodeo final. See, that's cool. You know why that's so cool? You had these motherfuckers worried. Well, you and, had them worried. And we had set up a, what we called cinch town mm. at a dealer south of town. So they shut us down. So I got up on a picnic table and told all the contestants and all the parents, okay, they're not gonna let us do this, but tomorrow after the morning perf, we're gonna move all of this to cinch town. We'll have all of our endorsers there signing autographs. Lunch is on us, come see us. And you've seen the movie Field of Dreams? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it, Bobby. Dirksen Parkway was Dooley's for as far as you could That's see. Awesome. <laughs> so anyway, those are some of the iconic deals that... But, the, but, but it was crucial because when you want something bad enough, you'll find a way. You found oh, a way. Well, and you don't, and you don't, you don't just give up. You don't just say, Stop. well, okay, we yes. can't do it. You know, you find yeah. a way. You find a you way. You find a way. Yes, you keep finding a way. Yeah. So at that point, you're still a rep of them, correct? You're yes. not You're not actually working for them in corporate. No. You're still repping. Yep. Okay. Yep. So basically, we identified you had a cool new product. Do you think back in those days, because I've kind of seen it even in the horsemanship world, one of the biggest negatives of a company getting really big and successful is they have a tendency to get lazy. Oh. They have a tendency to not innovate yep. anymore. Yep. And they get kind of uh, slack a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm number one. I don't need to do anything different. I'm here. Yep. Okay. Um, do you think that that's what happened to Wrangler just a little bit is they oh. got a little bit con complacent. We sure. got the market sure. wrapped up. Everybody's got our shit. Sure. We don't need to innovate anymore. No. Here comes this young, hungry guy that comes up with a product and it's edgy and you, you're starving. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, back in those days was whoever, who owned Cinch back in those days? Well, there was a, a group of, of, Ron Schmitz was the, was the president and the majority holder, but there was a group of 10. Did they give you much budget to work with Bobby? Like meaning were the purse strings pretty tight back in those days or they tried to, they gave you a little bit of leeway with some money to go They gave us this. some leeway. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah they good. gave us some leeway. That was never, we were, we've always been very, very fortunate. The company's always been very, very successful. Yeah. And, uh, and, and everybody involved had a vision. Yes, they yeah. could see the bigger picture. Yeah, they could see, yeah. Righto, so it's taken off. You know you're onto something, correct? Yes. By this yes. stage, you figure out you yep. know you're onto something. So yep. what happens then? You're still repping, where are you going? Still still repping, 
and and just just growing just growing that brand and those were just those were, that was a period of time where we just was you know kind of setting a goal to do this and do that and you know Wrangler had been the sponsor of the All-American Corridors Congress the world's largest single breed horse show and I knew all the guys that ran the Congress very well <clears throat> and I would be like hey you know just give me a chance give me yeah. a chance to bid it even if you don't want to give yeah. it to us I'll get you more money out of Wrangler yeah. you know yeah well I'll never forget the day I'm driving somewhere in Ohio and my phone rings and it's Denny Hale. Mm -hmm. Denny has passed now, but Denny yeah. ran the Congress for years. And he said, Bobby, you've wanted this for years. I want a new clothing sponsor. I want Cinch. Just say yes and we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's awesome. I said, yes. Yeah. I called Denver and I said, Okay, I'm not sure what I got ourselves into, yeah. but we are the new sponsor yeah. of the Quarter Horse Congress. And Congress, and back in those days, was, I, I haven't been to the Congress in 10 years. Is it still as big as it used it to is, be? It is, it is. You know, I was there last year, and, and it's, it's changed quite a bit. Pandemic has changed the uh, landscape a little bit, but the best Congress I've ever had. So, awesome. yeah, after all, the, after all these years, it's like 60, 65 years. Yeah, it's yeah. still going strong. Yeah, yeah. and at that time, in the, and in that time of our building the, the Cinch brand, it was huge mm. because it put us on the map with that audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and I went out there at the Ohio State Fair to kind of walk the grounds and figure out where we wanted signage. And on the Celeste Center, which was mm. the new arena at the time, they had these huge archways. And the big Chevy dealer had these huge banners on these archways. And I go, oh, that's just cool. Yeah. That's just cool. Can I do that? Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. yours. That's awesome. You know. And to this day, we, we have that. So do you, think the, the, do you think the innovation is what really gave Cinch the edge in the beginning, is that they were just willing to, to stick their head out and do something different? Uh, yeah, I would, t I would tell you yes. They identified a need, mm -hmm. timing. Yeah, timing's everything. Yeah, I, I, timing. I, yeah, I'm not going to say that. We had, yeah. we had tried to get in the men's business multiple times over the history of the company, mm -hmm. but the time was right. Yeah. The product was right. Yeah. Little luck. Yeah, I think there's always a little bit of luck. Of course there is. I, I, Bobby, I can say that about myself. It, you know, Ian Francis always says, you know, how do you spell luck? Luck is when hard work, hard work and opportunity start screwing. Yes. You know, when hard yeah. work and opportunity start screwing. Oh, it's true. That's called luck. Yeah. But, but in reality, there was an opportunity, there was hard work, and it worked. But, yeah. you know, I can even say that about myself. When I got over here in 1997 and pretty much started down on horsemanship in 1998, there was the whole natural horsemanship move that was taken off. You oh, had yeah. the man that whispers, the, you had Monty yep. Roberts on PBS, man that whispers the horses, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That big shy boy story and, and he was fucking with the queen and, and yeah. doing those queen interviews and round pen interviews. It was huge. Uh, the Horse Wish for a Movie came out. Um, yep. Robert Redford came out. So that was a big, all a tsunami of, of the Monty Roberts deal, the Queen, the Horse Wish for a Movie, all came out there, 1998, yep. 1999, 2000, that whole yeah. area yep. right in there. Yep. And it just took off. So when I got over here, I always describe the, the clinician business as this, you know, John was very big at the time, probably the biggest. You had Pat Pirelli, it was probably a second. You had Monty Roberts was, was when his peak, he was number one. You know, Monty, right. Monty in his peak, he was getting crowds of 18,000 people. Yeah, That's huge. never been seen before. Huge. You know, the most I ever got at my own public and private events was 3,500. You know, Road to the Horse, when it was at its peak, had 8,000 people. But Monty was getting 18,000 people when his PBS special took off. He wrote the book with the Queen, yep. all that whole deal. This, this, I always describe, I came into the, the whether you want to call it natural horsemanship, or let's just call it clinician industry right. around 1998. 
I, I describe it like this, Bobby. There was a river of fucking money flowing. <laughs> there was river. Everybody yep. was retiring from dot-com. There was a bunch of dot-com money. There was a bunch of baby boomers all starting to retire. Yep. So the husbands were off golfing. The wives wanted to go get horses. They yep. had horses in their 20s. They had families, careers. Their husbands were off golfing. They just retired. They want to get a horse again after 30 years of being out of the business. There was a river flowing with money. Yep. So... I, I got luck in the fact that when I kicked this thing off, there was a river of money. I was just smart enough to do this. I recognized there was a river there. I jumped in it, but here's the difference. I paddled like a son of a bitch. Yep. I didn't just wade through the water and let the current take me. I got in a kayak and paddled that son of a bitch with the current as fast as I could go. Now, I don't believe that current's there anymore. I think the whole natural horsemanship clinician industry, that tsunami wave has crashed now. There is a million people doing what I'm doing on YouTube. There's a million, there's a million people being clinicians on every street corner. I'm about really one of the last guys standing at my level of doing it, okay? Yep. Yep. But the newness has definitely wore off it. How about we say that? Now, there's still a river there. But I say to people now, I would not like to rebuild my career again today, Bobby. Because oh. there's a river there, but I tell you what the river is now, Bobby. It's just stagnant. Yep. You will have to paddle every part down that river. Oh, yeah. When I got in it, it was flowing hard of money. Yep. You couldn't hardly screw this shit up. Yep. And that's right about the time when Cinch was going. Oh yeah. People, the Western lifestyle was taking off. People wanted to spend money. Baby boomers at that point of time were the largest population of Americans. Yep. They're not now. But they were. Yep. You know what I mean? It was a special time, wasn't it? So it's, I like, it's, like, it's like the world was opening up. Yeah. And, and you know, our, our industry, you know, the horse industry, it had been kind of kind of stagnant, if you yes. will, for, for, for quite some time. And, and we've entered into an era, and I think it's, it's younger. It's younger mm -hmm. people. It's new customers. It's new blood. You know, the children are growing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're, they've got, they're curious, yeah. okay? They, they now have access to being able to see what's going on, and they want it. There's, yeah. a, there's a big new world out there, and they want to be part of it. So, you know, in 98, 98, 99, that's when we've noticed the girls were buying cinch jeans. Mm -hmm. So what did that tell us? They want something different. They want something like this. So here comes a brand, Cruel Girl. Mm. That's when we created Cruel Girl. And that took off, didn't oh, it? Oh, it took off like a rocket. So where was, was Rockies owned by Roper? No. Rockies, what was, what Rockies, was Rockies? Rockies was Miller Okay, Rockies was a Miller deal. Yeah, okay. that, so that was... Because back in the day, weren't the Rockies the real big deal for that women? That was a $70 million brand right. at its peak. Uh, so whatever happened, Rockies, is it still around or it died or it's, what happened? It, it's, it's, it basically died. Okay. okay. Through lack and, of innovation? Um you could say yes, but let me tell you, if you if you develop a men's brand that takes hold, you've got a brand for several generations. Mm -hmm. A men's brand will survive several generations. A woman or a lady's brand yeah. will survive one generation. When those girls grow up and become mothers, those daughters do not want to wear what mom's wearing. Good point. Yes. So they didn't change enough for the next generation. Right. But so, Cruel Girl, that's where Cruel Girl came Cruel Girl. You know, Rockies was a clean back, no hip pockets, yeah. high rise. Oh, yeah. Cruel Girl, five pocket jean, little lower rise, mm -hmm. heavier denim, totally different look. Yes. Yes, it was, wasn't it? And, and became a $60 million brand overnight. Overnight, yeah. And the two just sailed together, didn't they? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, I think... You've got to work hard, but very, very hard, but you've also got to recognize opportunities. Yes. And when you recognize an opportunity, don't just work average, work even harder again. 
I think that's that's one of the things my competition reg- uh, underestimated about me is when, and I'm paranoid about that. I think, see, for many years, Pirelli was way bigger than me, John was way bigger than me, Monty was way bigger than me. They had much better uh, marketing budgets, much yeah. more money to spend. I'm stealing from fucking Paul, Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing all my own marketing, etc. And when I finally got enough money saved up and wrangled up, to go hire my marketing company, Stuart and Associates, Dan and Kate Stewart, that's when the game changed for me. Because I always knew I had a better product, but I couldn't market it to the budget that yeah. they were. Well, when 2009 came, eight, nine came around, you know, the whole world's coming to an end, that's when I hired them. Yeah. And I never forget what Dan Stewart told me. He said, Clinton, he said, you can't fire me for 18 months. If you're gonna hire me to do your marketing, yeah. you can't fire me for 18 months. And I asked him why. And he said, because you've got to give me 18 months to turn it around. Mm-hmm. You've got to give me time to let marketing do its job. Now, yep. after 18 months, if I'm not making you money, fire my ass in a heartbeat. Yep. Well, just through kind of dumb luck and bad timing, when I hired him, 2008, nine hits. People yep. are laying off jobs everywhere. Oh, yeah. Things are collapsing. Well, I'm hiring them, and let me tell you, I'm fucking writing some big checks. Oh, yeah. I'm writing checks like I'm a billionaire, and the rest of the world on the news is firing people, laying people off, sponsors are quitting. Everybody's pulling back the reins, and I'm the only arsehole that's still running oh, flat yeah. out there. And I'm a little nervous, Bobby. Like, I'm writing checks like, am I the only dickhead in the world that's doing this? Because everybody else is telling me, don't do it. Well, it turned out that it was the smartest thing I ever did, because... When I finally, when I wrote all those checks and let the marketing take hold, 18 months to the day, financially, it turned around. Mm -hmm. I started really seeing some dollars come in from their marketing that they did with me. But here's what happened is, somewhat dumb luck and somewhat courage on my end, I'm not going to say I didn't get weak at the knees sometimes during that when I'm writing some big checks and my income's going down as well, just like the rest of the country. What happened was, is... By the time the economy came back around, my racehorse was already on the track, yep. halfway down the track. Yep. Everybody else had put their horse back in the barn. Yep. So by the time the economy changed, they had to get the horse out of the barn, get some bitch in the starting and take off. I was already two thirds down the racetrack. So what happened was when I passed Pirelli and I passed John and I passed Monty, I didn't just pass them, I fucking galloped past them. Yeah. Galloped. And once I got past them, I never looked back. They couldn't catch me. I was so far ahead of me. But the the thing I learned from them, and I really take this serious to today, is when you get to number one, you better not get lazy. They got lazy with their marketing. They got lazy with their message. They got lazy because they were number one and I was number four. They didn't consider me a threat, just like Cinch. Wrangler didn't consider since to be a threat. You were just a little guy. Yeah, yeah. You were nothing to them. Yeah, and they'd seen this so many times before. Yes. And, and nobody could ever dent their armor. Good point, but you did, and I sure did. They underestimated me, and when I ran past them, I ran past them, and I always said this. When I got to number one, I said, I'll never stop rebranding. I'll never stop my marketing. I'll, like this, this is branding. Sure. You know what I mean? I'm going through a rebranding now. I'm about to spend a million dollars this year and rebrand the entire company. Mm-hmm. Why? Because everybody's copied my shit. It's yep. time to change it up again. Yep. And when I change it up again, I'm going to lead them again. Now, technically, I could sit back. It's like, you know, with marketing. You could say Coca-Cola is a household brand. There's a little kid in Africa that knows what Coca-Cola is. Everybody in the world knows Everybody. what Coca-Cola yep. is. But their marketing budget is billions. So you would think a brand that know Coca-Cola as well as they're known, shouldn't they back off their advertising now, Bobby? Everybody knows them. 
Everybody knows what it is, but they're smart enough to know, but they could pull back that 200 billion a year in marketing. But here's what's gonna happen, is over the next three years, all the other brands are gonna edge away, edge away. They're gonna eat away at their market share. And within five years, they're no longer number one. So me, I'm so paranoid about doing what my competitors screwed up. I won't let my marketing drop. I won't let my advertising drop. You know what I mean? That's well, that I keep going. I keep spending. I don't have to spend the million. We look pretty good, but we're going to change it all up again and make it look even better because that's how you stay ahead. Wrangler didn't do that. John and Pat didn't do that. Monty didn't do that. So smart people, even when you get to number one, keep spending money on marketing. Keep your brand fresh. Keep your innovation there. A lot of times... Would you agree or disagree with any I of that? I totally agree. Because you understand marketing better than anybody. Well, and, and, and a lot of times it's a defensive move, mm -hmm. okay? Because we sponsor stuff that really doesn't produce, Yeah. but it's a defense. We sure, we sure don't want somebody else coming in there getting it. Uh -huh. Because if, if you don't allow them to get in, yes. you know, you yes. want them on the outside of the tent. Yes. You don't want them getting into the tent. You don't want them sneaking under the flap. Yeah. Okay? So no, we're not gonna give that up. We're gonna keep doing that just as a defensive move to keep them out. Yeah. Because if they get their toe under the tent. Oh yeah. Then they get their nose under the tent and then you know you wake up and uh-oh, they got in. You're right, Bobby, is, is you give them a toe in, they get in there, you know what I mean? I wanna pick up, uh, we're gonna cut for another cocktail and finish this off here, but I, we're gonna pick it back up of, of staying, when you're number one, how do you stay number one? Okay. Yep. How do you keep that brand awareness there? How yep. do you keep innovating? Yep. That's what we're gonna, let's get a cocktail. Okay. Mate. Loving the story. Clinton's grabbing a cocktail and we'll be right back. Get yourself one and enjoy this short clip. Nothing would please them more than to see this old piece of shit in a coffin. Oh, they wanna drive a steel knife down a stupid fucking throat and they talk about it quite often. Radio guys, our next hater, this is from Caitlin Capers. You make me wish I had more middle fingers. <laughs> it's kind of funny, I do like it. Have a good day, guys. <laughs> so Bobby, when we quit, we were talking about making sure even when you get to number one, you keep innovating, you keep advertising, you keep your branding, etc. Because you don't want to give the competition a leg in. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I want to depress my competition. You know, I just can't, you know, that's why I'm spending a million dollars this year and completely rebranding the whole company because people have copied my shit, they've copied my website, they've copied my look, which I think is awesome. But I'm gonna change it up again, which they'll get out in front of them again. I, I'm ruthless about the branding because I said to Rochelle, my writer, she's my writer and, and editor and she's been with me for over 15 years. And we looked at each other and said, when we quit marketing and branding, let's just quit. Let, let's not go out as has-beens. Let's go out on top. And if we need to quit the company, we're just going to quit it. We're not going to rape it and rape it and rape it till there's just nothing left of it. Mm -hmm. And it just, and how many Western brands have you seen in your career that did that? They were high at one point. Farnham's a perfect example. You know, yeah, Farnham just, at one point, Farnham was the shit, Well, oh, they, they were. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I don't <clears> know what happened, but they dropped off yep. the face of the earth for yep. probably 10, 15 years yep. at least. Yep. And I see them starting to come back a little bit. I don't know if it'll ever get back to the glory days again like they were Bobby, you know what I mean? But it doesn't matter, Sears collapsed, Enron collapsed. I don't care how big a company is, if you get too big and you quit your 
your innovation, your marketing, your strategy, you will fail. Well, you know what it is, Clinton? It's what's happened in so many sectors of the industry and every industry, specialization. Yeah. Somebody comes in and specializes in one area of your business mm -hmm. and they take it away. Yeah. Okay, every discipline of horse is specialized. You know, used to be you sold every kind of saddle. You would sell a reining saddle, you'd sell a cutting saddle, you'd sell a show saddle. Now, the cutting horse saddle guys sell cutting horse saddles. Mm -hmm. The reining horse saddle guys sell reining horse saddles. The horse show saddle guys sell show saddles. Mm -hmm. Boots, shirts. I mean, you know, it used to be the whole Western store would go shit up, set up at the Congress, and they'd yeah. sell every aspect of it. Yeah. Well, now there's somebody there, all I do are boots. Yeah. I specialize in boots. Yeah. I take 2,000 pair of boots to the Congress. I'm hard to compete against. Yes. I specialize. Yes. So that's what happens when you let off the accelerator. Mm -hmm. Somebody will take a piece or two of yours, specialize in it, and beat you at it. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, there's a dent in your armor. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie? It's it's been out in the last year. Um, Lamborghini. It's called yes, Lamborghini. Yes. You yes. You saw that. Wasn't yes. that great? Oh, fabulous. Typical example. Yes. Ferrari was Wrangler. Exactly. Ferrari was the biggest, and 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 they caused Lamborghini to be a company because they were arrogant. They didn't think they could be beat. They didn't want to keep marketing, and it formed Lamborghini. It's a yep. great story, even though it's a movie. It's a great and I'm story. sure some but, yeah. of it's some of it's you know blowing up for the movies, but it's a great but story. But the message, the, the message, message is, is there. the fucking same, isn't it? When I would go to a Western market or I'd go to the Congress, year after year. You know, it was always my goal to go there and do better than I did last year in my presentation, my setup, my booth display, whatever it was. My goal was to have the competition show up and go, well, I'll be a son of a bitch. Yeah. They did this it again. Guy, this guy don't quit. Yeah. This guy don't quit. Yeah. What in that? And, and, and to this day, I still have that fighting spirit. Yes. Annihilate the competition. Yeah. Yes. You I know, love it. And, and the day I wake up and I don't have that will probably be the day I that's, go to the beach. That's right. That's the day I go to the that's beach. That's what I tell Rochelle. When we, when we quit pushing our envelope and pushing our branding and marketing and stop being on, you know, we could have done this with a Zoom. I could have done a podcast real cheap from my house with a Zoom call. But I spent 100 grand on branding, marketing, set, production, etc. Well, but it shows. Yes. Well, here I am. I'm 64 years old. I've built this boot brand for the last 12 years. It's working. Yeah. It's very successful. I don't need to be at these shows on my knees fitting boots. Mm -hmm. Guess where I'm at? You are. I'm at these shows. That's one thing I'll say about you. You are the most well-traveled son of a bitch I know because you do meet the masses. Even at your age and as big as you are, you are a carny. You're everywhere. I, I, you're shaking hands. You're greeting people. You're making, you're still being the Tommy Mannion, aren't you? I've I'm always not, recognized I'm, I'm, that. I'm not, I'm not going to give him a gap. I'm not yeah. going to give him an opening. Yeah, don't give him an opening. Talking about openings, I want to, I don't know if this is taboo or we're allowed to talk about it or not, but fuck it, I'll bring it up. <laughs> um, ask for forgiveness later. I heard through the grapevine that <laughs> Cinch is involved on some level with Kimes genes. Is this true or not true? You know, it's true. And, yeah. and I think it's been long enough. Um, Matt and Amanda Kimes, mm -hmm. I love them. Yep. Uh, it's really their story to tell. So I would like for you to give them the opportunity to tell it at some point. But I will tell you, yes. Yeah. And, and, and our involvement came out of me knowing them, mm -hmm. admiring them. Yep. They are uber talented. Yep. They had a brand that was working, yes. catching fire. I spent the last 40 years of my career building brands. I know how difficult it is. Mm. It's like 
breeding that mare mm -hmm. to your favorite stallion and waiting and hoping you get something yeah. out of that breeding. If you can go out in the pasture and find a weanling or a yearling that you can watch lope or trot around. See its confirmation. See its confirmation, you know, neckline, mm -hmm. back, hip. You're a lot farther down the road yeah. than breeding for it. Well, I saw what they were doing. They, I befriended them. I, I, they've got a cool thing, thing going on, don't they? They got a cool, yeah. See, here's what's smart. I'm so glad that you've admitted that you're with them because when I heard through the grapevine that maybe there was an alliance there, okay? I thought to my, here's the first thing I thought to myself, man, these two are smart son of a bitches, both of them. I thought, Cinch is really smart because instead of them being their competition that might eat their lunch one day, like Wrangler didn't take you seriously, you've took Kimes Ranch seriously. Cinch yes. did. They took him seriously. So instead of being their enemy, be their ally, team up with them. Well, and then, and then Kimes are pretty smart in the fact that with all of your, your ability for manufacturing, product development, just contacts, Bobby, let's just call it contacts for the last 35, 40 years all over the world that you do business and contact and manufacturing. And, and they're, they're David and Goliath, you're Goliath now, a cinch, mm -hmm. and they're David, okay? <laughs> the fact that you two are teaming up has obviously been a damn good thing. You guys are everywhere. You're all over Yellowstone. You're all over every damn store. Kids want to wear it. Old people want to wear it. I mean, it's the fucking brand. It's well, cool. Well, and I, I'm a firm believer, it's not a zero-sum game. Mm. Nobody has to lose in order for someone else to win. Yeah. Okay? And there's room for everybody. It's the entire industry is growing. Mm -hmm. It's like when I have people come up and say, well, what do you think about all, you know, Taylor Sheridan and, and you know, the, the other guy that's produced the American and Teton, all, yeah. yeah, all this big money, this is not good for the, no, no, mm -hmm. no, no. This is fabulous for our industry. You're damn right. Okay. The, every boat gets a lift on a rising tide. That's right. Okay. The entire industry is growing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I've witnessed it myself. I mean, Kimes has had huge success. Amanda and Matt have done a phenomenal yes. job. And I'll tell you, the, the, the first thing we established was you go do your thing. Yeah. That's we cool. want nothing to do. Yeah. These two brands will not yeah. even yeah. Yeah. know they've been, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's how it has to be. Yeah. And they've done, a, they've done a magnificent job. See, they've obviously used you for some mentorship from time to time, bounce some ideas off cash flow you know that's the biggest thing that people don't understand i even with down under when i was growing in my biggest years i was always almost crippling myself because i didn't have enough money well, see i never took on private equity investors and my competition did and it crippled them in the end i wanted some i needed a few million dollars to get going don't get me wrong but in the back of my mind i didn't want to be controlled what's key to what you just said is you let kimes ranch do what they do you let them row their boat you're going to stay in your lane and let them do what they do. You provide some cash, you provide some mentorship, you provide a few contacts and manufacturing, some things like that. But they clearly got this shit going on. You know what I mean? And yep. you're smart enough to say, we're not gonna tell these people how to do it. They're clearly doing it. <laughs> we just wanna catch on the ride. Mm -hmm. I exactly. wanna get on that ferry and go across the lake because where you guys are going, I'm gonna make a shit ton of money from it. So I'm so pleased to hear this because first of all, I think it's very smart because if you didn't, you might have created another Wrangler sense situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In, sure. in, you know, through through sure. the same mistake as what Wrangler did, they underestimated you and you cleaned their clock. Well, if you didn't team up, they might have cleaned your clock. And it goes back. And to, I don't mean that disrespectfully. No, no. It goes back to those early days of 
of when I told you, I, I, I would find situations, individuals, people, and I would, I would learn. Mm. I would learn from it. So I, I've lived long enough to see mistakes that have been made. Yes. To, to, to hopefully not make those yes. again. And God knows I've made them all. Well, you know, the old saying, you know, a wise man learns from somebody else's mistakes, and that's true, but sometimes you've got to make your own mistakes, but it's so much better if you can learn from other people. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? So yep. I'm so glad. Here's what, you know, I know Matt. Uh, Matt Kimes was Al Dunning's non-pro back when yep. I started, when I worked for Al in 1996, I worked for Al Dunning for about six months. Greatest job I ever had yep. in the horse industry. Yep. You know, still would have been with him to yep. this day. You know, Mike Wood was his assistant at the time. Mike had been there five or six years. And Al looked at me one day and said, are you going to stick around? And I said, no. And he said, why not? And I said, because I don't see Mike going anywhere and there's not enough for the third stringer. He's yep. fir you're first, he's second, it's yep. the code of the West, I'm third. Yep. You gotta wait till the number one two guy leaves. Yep. And that's the code of the West, sure. I respect it, I had no problem with it. But at that stage, Mike had been there five or six years and my gut said, this guy's ain't leaving. And looking back on it, he stayed like another six years. Sure, so sure. I did the right decision. Absolutely. But if Mike would have left in a year or two, I probably would have stayed and I we wouldn't be having this conversation because I would have been a horse trainer. Right. Remember, Bobby, I always wanted to be a horse trainer. Yep. I never wanted to be a clinician. I wanted to go show, train. I loved working for Al. He was the greatest boss I ever had, etc. But, you know, our lives go in different directions for different reasons. Yep. But yep. Matt was his non-pro yep. back in the day and that's how I knew him. Clinton's grabbing a cocktail and we'll be right back. Get yourself one and enjoy this short clip. How do you know what it takes to become successful? Talk to someone who's done it. Clinton Anderson became a multimillionaire by leveraging his passion for horse training into a global brand and media empire, starting with nothing but the change in his pocket and the will to succeed. In doing so, he revolutionized an industry and became a celebrity. Now, you can put his experience and advice to work for your business. With Clinton Anderson's business consultancy, you can tap into Clinton's unique perspective, hear his straight talk, and get his no-nonsense advice. Just imagine yourself armed with Clinton's hard-earned knowledge and entrepreneurial spirit. So whether you own a ranch or any sort of business at all, we invite you to discover the transformative power of Clinton Anderson's leadership and innovation in your business. Call 1-888-287-7432 to take your business to the next level today. And I am, I tell you, I love my love and it's a husband and wife team. They it's a husband and wife team, and they have done a marvelous job. It's their brand. It's their creation. It's their passion. Mm -hmm. It's their baby. Yeah. And I'm just glad I can sit on the sidelines and watch it. That's awesome. Like a child. Yes. You know. But you're smart enough to know, don't create an enemy, create an ally. Let's just be honest. You didn't create an enemy, yeah. you created an ally. Bring the smart people on. And, 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 and look where it's at. Yeah, that's awesome. So wrapping up, Bobby, if you could go back to an 18-year-old Bobby or 20-year-old Bobby and you could sit across from yourself now at your age and mentor yourself, what would be the top two or three lessons or one lesson you would try to tell yourself? Because I, I'm getting a lot of feedback from this podcast. I've got men and women walking up to me, kids, men, women, young adults, <laughs> saying, and I don't know these people at all. They recognize me when they see me around, but I don't know them. Clinton, I love the podcast. I'm learning a ton. I'm learning shit my dad never taught me. I'm learning about money. I'm learning about investing. 
And that's the whole point of it. And they want to better their lives. They want to make more money, work harder, be successful. It's, it's lighting a fire under people. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And I'm getting that just from talking to you. And that's, that was the message of it is to just motivate people. They can do better in their lives and be successful. So if you had to mentor yourself now and, and some closing remarks, what would you like to mentor yourself to say? As at, How old are you now, Bobby? 64. I just 64. 64. So an 18, 20 year old Bobby, what would you tell yourself now? Greatest lessons that you'd like to tell yourself? Well, I mean, the work ethic, the work ethic above, above all. And I don't care what it is you've done. I don't care what it is you do. If you've been successful, you've worked your ass off. Yes, you have. So, so again, find something you can be passionate about, Bobby. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then study it, learn everything you can learn about it. Product knowledge, product knowledge, product knowledge, product knowledge. Mm -hmm. Then I don't care when you wake up on Monday morning and you're not sure where you should go, get up, brush your teeth, get dressed, get in the truck and go somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't get, care if you don't know where you're going. Get moving. Go. Get moving. Yeah. Do not stay home. Mm -hmm. Do not stay home. Yeah. And and that's what I did. That's what I did. I, I, I never. You're still doing it. I still do it. You, you, let's be honest, Bobby. You've made enough money and been successful enough. You don't have to be doing these trade shows. No. Let's just be honest. No. You don't have to be in Rod Patrick's booth no. measuring fucking old man's feet. No. Let's just be honest, but you are. Yep. So even you're still doing it, Bobby. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, because you it's, you know they're, they're the keys to become successful. I it still rocks my world. Yes, that's awesome. It, I I envy you in this regard. I envy you that at at this this many years you've been doing what you're doing that you've still got the hunger and passion for it. I got burnt out being a clinician after 28 years of doing it, but I feel that passion coming back for training horses now. Mm -hmm. Now I'm starting to compete. Yep. Yes, I'm getting my ass whipped and I like it because it's making me hungry. Yep. It's making me want to get out of bed. It's, I feel the old Clinton coming back, the eye of the tiger where I don't like getting embarrassed. I don't like getting my ass kicked and I'm hungry and I'm coming. I don't know when I'm going to get there, but, but I'm coming. Well, the thing for me, Clinton, is I truly love what I do, but now I'm in a position where I don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. For so many years, I had to do it. Yes. You know, poverty is a hell of a motivator. Oh, you're damn right. Is it? Right? It? Yes, it is. So, so my, my daughters are grown. We have mm -hmm. four great grandchildren mm -hmm. that are showing cutting horses and racing, you know, yep. motocross. Uh, Kelly, my wife's able to go with me now and it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. So I'm able to do it now in a way I was never able to do it. Yes, you get to before. pick and choose where you go. Yeah. And, and just, I always, people ask about retirement. They think it's about money. What money does is give you the ability to pick and choose who you deal right. with. Right, right. Pick and choose your customers. And pick and choose where you're going. <laughs> you know, what you're doing, it, you know, the money's nice, but what money really does is it stops you having to mess with somebody if you don't want to mess with them. Absolutely. If there's such a pain in the arse. And, and I'm a huge advocate to support the industry. Yes. We sponsor almost every major horse show. Uh, I build the equestrian boots for all the major college, college yeah. equestrian teams. And I feel an obligation to support the industry that has given me such a great life. Here's what I think. I think between, I think Taylor Sheraton between Yellowstone and the last Cowboy TV show and all the other TV shows he's got going on, I think Taylor's done more to promote the Western industry than anybody in the last 60 years. Okay. Oh, period. Hands okay. down. Now you've got Teton, uh, uh, Teton Ridge coming in. <clears throat> what they did with the American and the, the, the cow horse, the reining, the cutting. You know, it's their first year. Sure, there's going to be a few bugs here and there, but the general concept of what oh. they're doing, a million dollars given away is brilliant. It's only going to get better and better. Absolutely. 
I don't know if these two know each other, these two guys. You know, I know Taylor good enough to say hello to him and shake his hands, but we're not buddies by any means. And I don't know the other guy, the Thomas guy, Teton Ridge guy at all. And I don't know if they're friends. I don't know if they get along. But you've got a couple of, of really wealthy people now trying to build an industry. What better place to be in the Western industry now? It's oh. just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If you've been involved with this all your life, why would you leave now? Yes. See, right now, I've always told young people, don't be a horse trainer. There's no fucking money in it. You know, you'll work yourself to death. Yep. Kind of like your golfing buddies told you when you were 18. Yep. Don't become a horse trainer. There's no money in it, et cetera. With the way the horse training industry is going now, Bobby, I don't think I can say that anymore. No, you can't. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. No. You have to work your ass off. You have to get in the right place. You have to do this. You have to do that. But it's a new world. But it's a new world now. So if you're successful, you can make a lot of money doing this gig now, but you got to really pay your dues and all this kind of shit now. You know what I mean? There's no easy, there's no shortcut just because the industry's growing. Well, and, and, and the advice I'd give to those guys from what I see mm -hmm. and observe is if you're young and you want to be a horse trainer and that's what you want to do, you find the most successful horse trainer you can find yeah. that's out there today. You dedicate five years, Yeah. five years. Because you look at the young guys that are successful today, that's what they've done somewhere. Yes, yes. and they usually start at cleaning stalls. I just did a, so I do a lot of consulting calls where people call me about different things in the horse industry. And I had, I was pretty admired this girl. She was 21 years old. She saved up her money for, it's $1,000 an hour I charge. But usually in an hour, Bobby, I can cover everything I want to cover with them, okay? This 21-year-old girl called me up. She's a barrel racer from California. And she said, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I need to go work for somebody really successful and because I, I want to be a barrel trainer. I don't know if I need to go work for somebody really successful and, and do that or start on my own and be a free agent and do it myself. And I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay out the pros and cons of both decisions. Here's the pros and cons for staying on your own and what's going to happen. And here's the pros and cons of going and do this. Mm -hmm. And I said, but if you had your magic wand, if you could go work for anybody in the world, who would it be? And she said, Sherry Servey. I'd go work for Sherry. And I said, okay. I said, I know Sherry really well. But I said, if I stick my neck out for you and I call her and get you a job there, you better not shit on me. Yeah. You better do what I tell you. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You're going to tell her that you're willing to clean stalls for a year. And then if you stick around for a year and clean stalls with a great attitude, 14 hours a day, year two, you're going to start to do some horse training. You're going to get two or three colts to ride and you're going to clean stalls. Year three, you're going to spend two thirds of your day riding horses and a third doing shitty jobs. Year four, you're going to be traveling with her on the road yep. and really learning her craft. And year five, you might be at the NFR with her riding her best horses. Yep. So guess what five years means? No more fucking boyfriends, no more family, no more home, 14 hours a day, six and a half days a week. Are you willing to do that to be Sherry? Because that's what she had to do. Yep. That's what every successful great horse trainer did. Because the reason why she said, why do I have to start cleaning stalls? Because you, you're not worth anything to her. You're a liability. Start at the bottom and prove to her you're willing to stick around. So when I called, I said, I'm going to call Sherry and see if she's hiring. I called Sherry and I said, are you hiring? She said, not really. And I said, why? And she said, because I can't get young people to be committed anymore. Yep. They don't want to do it anymore. Yep. They don't have the heart. Yep. And I said, if I could guarantee you somebody that would start at the bottom and clean stalls for a year and do the grunt work, would you take them on? She said, I'd take them on in a heartbeat. Yep. So I called the girl up and I said, here's a number. I got your job. It's up to you. But if you take it, don't you fucking shit on me now. 
That girl was smart enough to come to me for $1,000 and got her a dream job. Now, I don't know if she took it or not. We'll see what happens. But I really laid out the negative. I really laid out it's a five-year plan, just like you said. Oh, in the first five years I was on the road, Clinton, do you know how many times I'd pull up in front of the Motel 6 and the room was $29.95 for the night and I did not have the mm -hmm. $29.95? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You got to get hungry. You got to get hungry. Bobby, let's wrap it up. I'm so proud to know you. I'm proud that we were both part of Doug's life together. One of the greatest memories for me, I'm getting a little emotional now, the night that, um, a week, oh, at the Cow Horse Futurity, I've got a great photo of you and Doug together, smiling. And he died about a week later. i never forget that. It's just, you and him were tight, and he was a very, very smart man. He'd be proud of what you've done. He was. And he, he would love to see this interview right now. Cheers to you, mate. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Cheers. Doug. To Doug, yes. Today's episode was filmed and produced by Intercut Productions, marketing by Stuart & Associates, and organized and administrated by Down Under Horsemanship. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a rating. Follow us and stay up to date on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. See you next time, mate. Cheers.